Hi and welcome to the School Should Be podcast, a chance to hear from students, teachers and professionals to learn about all the things school should be. My name is Zahara and I am the founder of School Should Be. I've worked in schools for the past 10 years in a variety of roles from a classroom teacher to an education consultant. Schools are clouded by so many barriers, however my experience has shown me it is possible to overcome social and economic hurdles, archaic curriculum structures and be part of the unlearning process that our students and teachers need now more than ever. This podcast will explore a variety of themes, topics and viewpoints, all of which can make school a better place for students and teachers. I hope it helps you learn and smile along the way too. Please do leave a review, share and help us grow the School Should Be community. Right, let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the School Should Be podcast. Um, today I'm really excited to be joined by Aliha. Hi Aliha. Hello. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. No, thank you for being here. Um, and um, Aliha is a student um, at, in year 12 and she uh, is going to be talking about invisible disabilities and what it is that we should know about invisible disabilities and um, how schools students and parents can navigate them can understand more about them and also your experiences right yeah i'm so here tell me a bit about yourself and why you care so much um about this particular area so from a very young age um i was diagnosed with panel hyperpituitarism um which is basically when your pituitary gland is extra small and cannot secrete any of the hormones that it produces so slowly through the years it was each function just started to stop working right and i was exposed to the medical setting for many years now um and i feel like it is such an important topic to talk about on how you navigate your day-to-day life because it is a chronic um, mm. illness so there's always that question that keeps coming up of how can i control something that i can't control yeah like Health is something that you cannot really escape because you find it within yourself. And that is why I find that I really want to help spread awareness and make people that have a disability um, or a medical condition feel more safe when they are out in public, when they're in school, in a social setting, because health is so up and down for everyone. Mm. So having a medical condition on top of that can just add more stresses to it. And just to caveat, we are actually at a school right now. Yes. <laughs> so this is kind of core work because um, it's really important to to spread awareness, like you said, and also just to people who don't necessarily have the same experiences as you or a chronic illness or chronic um, invisible disability, um, just to understand what that is because the very nature of it is invisible. Yeah. Um, so can you say what it is again that you have? Sorry, I, I didn't catch it. <laughs> Hano hyperpituitarism. I, ha- I mean, I might have to ask you to spell that. Like, not right now. Not right now. <laughs> um, so it's the pituitary gland. Pituitary gland. So where, what is, where is that? Like, what is that? So it is right almost where the bridge of your nose is. It's sort of like back there. If you okay. keep going to the back of your brain. Um, so it sits right there and it is known as the master gland. So it controls things such as adrenaline, um, how we retain our water, um, our 
all these other hormones such as growth hormone as well mm. um a whole list of things thyroid and known as master gland because it just controls pretty much everything and so you've clearly been aware of this since a very young age um which has then led to you understanding more about your Mm. own body like kind of because i think that's one of the things that can really um and again i i i i'm i don't have a, a disability um so please correct me if i'm if i'm wrong and um but it can almost leave you feeling a little bit out of control of yourself because like you said it's something that's not in your control Mm -hmm. but is a part of you which you have control over yes exactly like when I was actually starting high school so that's already like something that you're starting a new school like from your primary school to now and you're finding out who you are in general in high school and as it is. And that was when I was diagnosed with my diabetes vitreous. And that's the water retaining. So I had so much water nonstop and oh. I was not able to keep it down. So ironically enough, I was the most dehydrated that I've ever been. Wow. Okay. And there was that lack of control of myself. Mm. And these like habits you're trying to bring into your life as you're starting high school, these little routines... And all of a sudden, there's these disruptions of a new medicine coming in. Mm. And those are factors that you can't control. So um, it's very relevant to talk about the fact that there's that question of, oh, we're talking about how we can adapt, how we can do all this. But surely if my health it goes fluctuates day to day, how do I find that consistency mm. in finding that? And also, like, transitioning from... Well, not even just transitioning from primary school to secondary school, um, but transitioning every day, like going into school, like for 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 every for me or for many many people, um, adapting is actually quite easy. In fact, they wouldn't even call it adapting; they would call it like, "Yep, I've been introduced this new routine." The privilege of just being able to step into that routine is quite mind blowing, really. Even if you have a little bit of fear. Or a little bit of anxiety of, um, and that's not to, again, minimise anxiety or anything like that, but stepping in from year six to year seven, mm-hmm. I don't have the added pressure of a, a of a health condition, which actually might play up when it chooses to play up. Yeah, that's actually a big part of my EPQ project, mm-hmm. is talking about how some normal stresses can influence your medical condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for example... If I am extremely stressed, such as during exams, Mm. my adrenaline levels would struggle to remain at a normal steady level. So Mm -hmm. I'd have to take an extra dose of my hydrocortisone tablets. Right, okay. So there's those little things of managing as well. Yes, um, yeah. When you're adapting to these new circumstances. As you're talking, the only comparison I can give now, um, especially for people who don't have an an invisible uh, disability, because like we've always said, isn't it? it's actually something that's quite difficult. You can, you can sympathise, people might show compassion, but true and genuine empathy is actually quite difficult yeah. to achieve. The only comparison I can in some way give is when I fell pregnant. Mm-hmm. So when I fell pregnant, I, I, didn't, I didn't have control over what my body was doing. I was just told to embrace it, to own it. But equally, it was things like my blood pressure falling or um, worrying about the health of my unborn child 
talking about health, you know, thinking and reading all the things that you read and all the different opinions that you get, trying to match, should I exercise? Should I not exercise? I'm really sleepy today. This food is having, an, I can't have caffeine. Can I have it? All, all the while thinking, okay, I might have control over these things, but actually this baby and my body is going to do whatever it chooses to, to, to do. And that's quite scary. It is, exactly. And that is why I find that when you're also having to manage things so i'm sure that like day to day you also had to take like extra medicines yes yeah as well yeah um, those doses probably had to fluctuate mm-hmm. depending on how many months along you were yeah 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 so, or things you couldn't take exactly so it's like that objectivity of like medicines and doses directly interlinks mm. to our mental health and yes stresses and yes that is why i really find that it's important to talk about this mm. because they're equal our physical and mental health are equal because Mm. they influence each other so heavily and it's like we again take it for granted or i have the privilege of thinking i don't i don't even need to sometimes check in with myself i mean i should check in, but you know like with you what i mean by that i should have explained that better but what i mean by that is when you know you're in year 12 now you have exams you um making new friends because you're again you know navigating a new experience you know you've had five years of a particular type of secondary education and you're now navigating a new experience in sick form um when things about your health kick in that then has an impact on i don't know how you feel about a lesson or can i talk to this teacher and tell them i know you can't see or I appear in terms of society's vision of appearance of being happy and healthy and good and but actually I am struggling in a way and how how have you managed that or I'd love to know your thoughts about that because I think that's kind of what we want to get across don't we to teachers and to Mm -hmm. students and parents yeah so I think the biggest thing is I think right now, personally, in the system, I think there needs to be improvement with care plans. Mm. So the thing with invisible, like, disabilities and everything, people can all of a sudden be put into situations and where it can become more visible that they have some sort of condition. Mm. So, for example, when my levels would drop, my adrenaline levels, um, I would get incredibly weak. Um, mm. and like my hand would start to shake and all of a sudden it's like this person's so healthy sat in my class and all of a sudden she's like in this state and where you're not sure of what to do mm. and I did worry quite a lot and I find like I still do worry oh what if my adrenaline levels drop and I'm in a lesson I'm in an exam and they don't know what to do and that is why I feel like every teacher should have a care plan but the thing with care plans is and I actually talk to someone else that has invisible medical condition and they also need a care plan and they said many of the times teachers forget what to do Mm. because of course they're not going to revisit that care Mm. plan that student's care plan again and again every day so when a situation of emergency comes up lots of times they're quite stuck on what to do like Mm. what's happening and they're not 100 percent sure so i think establishing that understanding between a student and a teacher Mm. of what really is your condition and having that one-to-one talk with a student of like i really want to know what is your condition and that makes them more that allows them to remember it more later down the line if there's an emergency i couldn't agree with you more because i think that's the very beauty of even me doing this podcast is 
you get to know people a lot more in those what I used to call break time conversations you know those conversations that you have with your teacher like right at the end of the lesson or if they finish an activity and I don't know a random Mm -hmm. they'll pick up on something that's being said or I used to all the time I used to love the gossip (laughs) but you that's how and you remember the art of conversation is so great I think for our memories and our cognitive like just our empathy processing or even things like well not even relationships so if you are struck if if like you said with with your invisible disability if you're late to lesson or if we think about the kind of standard practices of 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 schools because schools are obviously limited as well with regards to time as we've spoken about before Mm -hmm. there is so much pressure on teachers and students and equally you don't always want to talk about your self do you exactly, like in a lesson yeah. but if you've had the, those opportunities to just it doesn't even need to be a long conversation exactly. just a few minutes here and there straight away that develops a level of um confidence I think in the relationship so I feel that now that and I've not I've only known you a little while but it's always been about we've had good really great conversations about your um about your health and I feel that I would, I hope you don't, but if you did have, if there was a, uh, something that I needed to support you with, I'd have the confidence to sort of step in quicker. Exactly. Even even if I didn't really understand first aid, but I don't, I don't even know how to verbalise that, but I'd just be able to step in and help you. And I guess that's kind of what you're looking for. Exactly, yeah. That's why I find it so important to start to spread awareness about, especially like rare diseases, mm. Um, rare disease day yeah exactly (laughs) Um, because lots of people may not know that something as simple as seizures can come in many forms Mm. um, and depending on your medical condition or your disability that can be a different reason why you would have that Mm. seizure Mm. something as simple as that and people sometimes looking at that and being oh it has to be epilepsy or something like that so there's also that need to focus on slightly rarer conditions mm. as well mm. as as well as ones that you would more commonly come across to make people feel more safe yeah um which is why i feel like when we're talking about establishing that relationship between a teacher and a student um constantly you know how you said like bringing it up and everything like that i think that that is why it's just all it takes is one conversation mm, mm. and it's just set the tone to like what that student's about and everything and even not just with teachers your peers yeah exactly. because you know i'd love to think that everybody's friends with everyone but we just know that's simply not <laughs> the case you they're just some of them people are just peers that you know in class colleagues you know how how would you because there's so much going on in schools and as teenagers mm. you know sometimes quite rightly so you know your your level of empathy is even developing isn't it like I remember being a teenager I have a way higher level of empathy now like I feel like you know the, the kindness was there level of understanding was there but I had a lot to learn right like I'm a lot older than you now do you know what I mean mm-hmm. those life lessons have come into play um how how can because a teacher is one person usually in a class of 30 or, th- or 30 plus how can we encourage more education or more understanding about invisible disabilities and disabilities in general amongst your peers? 
Yeah, so I think that's really important as well because it's quite hard always putting all the pressure on the teacher on what to do in mm. case of an emergency. Um, and I feel like the biggest thing, the biggest fear when you have disability is wondering how will your friends treat you differently? Will mm. they treat you just differently? But as we've touched on before, all it takes is just asking your friend if, if they are okay with sharing it with you. I think that's the biggest thing mm. is making sure that they're comfortable because everyone's at a different stage of realizing it. Um, if they were just diagnosed, then they may not be comfortable yes. with talking yeah. about it just yet. But when your friend is, just asking them, oh, in case of an emergency, what do I do? Mm. And understanding and knowing what to do and educating like you know yourself on what to do in case your friend has an emergency. Yeah. Um. So that little thing of just asking the person right next to you. Yeah, which I know that yeah we talked about today. The thing that we've also talked yeah. about today um, will work towards creating a bigger picture of support for mm. just that one individual, which would mean a lot. And awareness, I think sometimes awareness is underestimated, isn't it? Because I feel like then we underestimate ourselves. Because I find that I, a lot of us are thinking, what what does that mean I need to do? You internalise it, doesn't it? Don't yeah. you? Like, so even, and, 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 I, and I, again, not, not to compare it to other elements of diversity and inclusion, but when we think of anti-racism or LGBTQ plus awareness, or um, um, religion, it's almost, you internalise it to think, well, what do I need to do? But actually, just by being aware in the first instance, you're reassuring someone with that protected characteristic that you know, you have an understanding, and you are there. And that's just so powerful. It is. And I think... That's why spreading awareness. There's so there's always a few people here and there. How how much is this really gonna do? Like mm. reposting this on <laughs> social media. How much is this gonna really do? But it's, nowadays, social media is where everyone's yeah. getting their information Absolutely. from. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's a platform you should spread awareness on, I feel like that's a very important one to do that on because you're reaching more people. Something mm. like this podcast. Yeah. Um, it's widening like the access that mm. people have to this information, this knowledge of spreading awareness. Um, and it's just something as that many people think there has to be continued, like how we talked about how like the teacher isn't talking to the students. It's not something that has to constantly be brought up all the time, every single day. Mm. It's educating ourselves and as you said internalizing it mm. so that when the scenario comes and where it needs to be necessary such as an emergency we we know what to do because we've been educated on mm. It. Mm. and i feel like people think that spreading when it oh it's so much effort it's too much effort i have to do all this every single day i have to ask i have to do this when that's not the case yes yeah i i comp- i couldn't agree with you more it's like i don't know going back to social media i don't know whether social media has exacerbated the fact that because you scroll and you see i don't know 20 different posts about in a, about the same thing but in a different way yeah so all of a sudden it becomes maximized in your head doesn't it to think well it's my, it must be what everybody's talking about how has this person not heard of it whereas actually like you're saying in the grand scheme of things it's literally like droplets of information that you need and going back to your point about learning it's meant to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. like learning new things isn't supposed to be easy i don't i don't know like from when i think of when i was a teacher which has been a few years since i've been in the classroom or even when i was a student 
it was okay to be uncomfortable learning. Like, do you know what I mean? Like in a lesson when you're doing something new or revising for an exam, it's not comfortable, but we've also normalised that experience. But then we've also stigmatised it. I don't know if that makes yeah, makes sense, yeah. but actually learning something new, it should be hard. And because that's the whole, and, 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 and I think that for me, it increases the level of empathy. I don't know how you feel about that. I definitely think it does. Um, starting on those conversations that you know may be uncomfortable. Mm. I think when you break down that barrier that everyone has initially, you'll find that the conversation sort of flows from there. Absolutely, Once yeah. you bring it up to your friend one time on what do I do in case of emergency, all of a sudden they'll start to feel more comfortable around you in general because they know, okay, they know about my disability. They know what to do in case of an emergency. And everything sort of flows. And next time they're unwell, then you feel less uncomfortable yeah. asking, are you feeling all, like, mm. all right today? Like, you know, you may be looking unwell or anything like that. Mm. You haven't been in school too much. And it's all part of a bigger picture. And I feel like once people just ask that one question mm. and break down that one barrier, it becomes a lot less uncomfortable. And talking about your, because I love talking to you, Aliha, like, honestly, <laughs> I just love how, like, you've managed and navigated this so positively, um, which is all credit to you. Thank and you. I just wanted to ask about your, your mental health, if that's okay to ask, and how your parents support you or your home, home life supports you, because you do talk about your, you know, when you talk about your mum and things mm. and how if there's a student or even a parent listening to this thinking we're really struggling we're really struggling with an invisible disability um and they want to be where you are yeah. like and with that level of resilience um no matter how uncomfortable that might feel at this stage for them like to think they might never get there or you know you project that feeling sometimes well well she's okay that's good for her but not for me do you, do you know what i mean exactly. like we you know i don't know how to explain that more kind of less candidly <laughs> but how what advice what's what's that like how, how do you navigate this at home and what's your mental health like so my biggest thing is I found that my mental health has especially fluctuated if I've fallen like very unwell mm. um, or I've had like a bad um, hospital appointment it's just reminded me of everything mm. and I feel like it's really important to talk about parents I'm mm. really grateful and I have a really good support system um, and my parents have always been extremely understanding. Mm. Um, my mom's always been beside me at every single appointment. Mm. Um, and I feel like it's really important as us kids to remember that our parents are also going through this experience with us. So here and there, if they may not understand things, it's just to remember that they don't have it themselves and they're also learning mm. um, and they just want what's best for you. Because sometimes if you have like a rare condition, you may be like, oh, no one knows what I'm going through mm. and no one really understands. But just knowing that you can still be supported, even if they don't completely like know the ins and outs of what you're feeling. Yeah. Like yeah. at the end of the day, everyone's just trying. Um, so I think my number one advice to give with mental health is that don't expect that, oh, once I've achieved this like state of mind and where... I've adapted, I've embraced my disability, nothing's ever going to get in my way ever again. I think that's an unrealistic expectation to put. Mm. And then when things do hit the fan, it can make your mental health plummet more than it did before. Mm -hmm. Because you start to beat yourself up about it and be like, oh, I reached this state and where I was really positive like a week ago. And now it's like 
you know, now it's all down the drain, when that's not true. You have to leave yourself room to go up and down mentally because that's natural because your body's doing that. Mm. You have like if you have a disability, like we talked about how unpredictable some things can be. Yeah. So that's where I feel like my number one tip would be is to don't judge it on you just generally throughout judge on the situation in your life right now Mm. how is your condition treating you right now Mm. like right now are you adjusting to a new medicine dose um are you not being in hospital too much like that's a good thing and then mentally you can leave yourself a lot of room to reflect on who you are outside of your condition Mm. um but i feel like it's really important to remember at what stage you're at because that can fluctuate so much and to focus on the the positive and by that I don't again I don't want to minimize your experience or, or even how you're feeling but I think and I, I was listening to a podcast this morning and I'm really annoyed I can't remember the doctor's name but she's she's brilliant she's written a book I'll remember her name and I'll put it in the podcast notes <laughs> um, but she's written a book called The Kindness Method mm-hmm. and she was talking about self-talk and how we talk to ourselves which I think is really linked to what you're saying because I would never, when I'm having, like when you're having, an F, like you said, feeling quite low or annoyed about your condition or, um, yeah, you just, you, you want, yeah, you're just annoyed. Um, you would reassure a friend. Exactly. And you would remind that friend or kind of either, I think, again, I don't want to quote her exactly because I might be completely wrong, but my interpretation of it was you affirm their discomfort and you yeah it is rubbish it is rubbish that you feel like this right now you also try to remind them of the things of how great they are or of how well they've managed or that this is five minutes out of the 24 hours um and you almost need to give that advice to yourself because you're happy i'd happily give it to you or like even when i say to a student i'm going to talking about going back to teaching embrace failure failure is great you know you always learn from failure failure is rubbish like I do do you know what I mean like it's that feeling where I'm like sometimes I talk to them and I'd be like okay this is what I need to tell them I agree every entrepreneur on Instagram is saying that you know we all need to fail we all need to fail well but it feels rubbish like failure is a horrible feeling you do kind of need to mope around for a bit and then you just need to remind yourself okay there are 50, you know, there are 50 other jobs I can apply for, or this is one essay compared to 20 essays in terms of your condition. And sort of, like you said, you have had like episodes where it has been quite bad, like one that you mentioned last, last week, but I loved how just before we started recording, you said so positively, but now I know how to manage this if it was to happen. And as you were saying that, I was like, that is such a positive, um, reflection Mm -hmm. right yeah I feel like every when you're given like I always think that there's a lesson in everything yeah and if I can't control it then I have to look for a lesson surely because otherwise like what else am I doing then I'm just sitting around and I'm letting myself go like down this hill of like oh I can't control my body ever I can't do this I can't do that there's so many things that my condition Um, has allowed me to do Um, and for example something as small as even my hospital visits I was when I was younger majority of the time I used to get McDonald's after I was (laughs) 
and go out. And I loved it. It was like our little tradition, like stop buying 20 piece nuggets. Yeah. Um, Not even a happy meal. What's that about? Like, <laughs> but I was like, those little things, those little moments, and it made me cherish those little yeah. things. Yeah. And, um, I talked a bit about it in the blog as well. Um, when I was younger, there was a smoothie stand in the hospital. And every time I used to go to it, like literally within 24 hours, I was like, they sent me home. And of course, realistically, looking at it now I'm older, I'm like, oh, well, of course, if I can physically walk to the stand, chances are I'm a lot better. And that's why I'd go home. And I feel like subconsciously I knew that when I was younger, but mm. I chose to believe that, mm. oh, this, lo- this little smoothie's magic. Like, yeah. this little smoothie oh, is going to send you home. Yeah. And that's fine. You can morph whatever situation into whatever crazy piece of imagination that you want. And I feel like that was expe- especially important when I was, like, a kid because yeah. what other way was I able to cope with everything? But even now, I find myself just looking at the smallest little details. Mm. Um, I remember one time, again, um, I was really sick and I came out of the hospital and it was raining. And my mom's like, oh my goodness, it's raining and everything. And I was just like, I'm just happy to feel something, the fresh yeah. air, yeah. beside the hospital air instead. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother just looked at me like, not you appreciating full on a rain, torrential rain. <laughs> Pretty sure she did not like it getting her keys and everything in the rain, but I was so happy. I literally just took a photo of the rain and I went to the car and I just I felt it on my skin and I was just like, oh, finally, like I feel yeah. something. Yeah, you know? I so love that. Oh, Leah, you are like that is such <laughs> a. You, we need more people like you in the <laughs> oh, world. No, genuinely, because it does come. You said that it was especially important when you were younger, but I think. It's not especially important. I think it's intrinsic to growing up. Like the stories you tell yourself or the stories you hear from others when you're younger, when your mind and your brain is still malleable and you're a sponge, aren't you? And if like some people say, oh, you're patronising teenagers and kids when you say that. And I'm like, no, I'm not, because sometimes we expect them to grow up sooner than they than they actually should. Right. Yes. Like and you ha- you are managing this extremely maturely, but equally um, that positive story that you told yourself that gave you drive it gave you motivation it opt is optimistic um it's something that then helped you navigate and focus on the positive which is the majority of your life because again it's really important to emphasize here that as much as you're here talking about your invisible disability you're still a liha Mm-hmm. you're not defined it's a massive part you i remember when you gave the presentation to year 12 you described it as your superpower and you didn't do that to minimize it but you did that to say it's a celebrated part of your character it's why you are so positive and so i don't know humble and so like the way you you do talk with quite a bit of wisdom Alina. i think you know a few adults could learn a few things from you but do, do, do you know what i mean like it is it, it, it's 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 not to minimise it or maximise it. It's a part of who you are. You live it, you breathe it. Um, equally, you just, you'd like schools, teachers and students to empathise in that way too. Not to make too much of a big deal about it. Not to not to ignore it either. But to just accept that it's a part of your day-to-day life and you just need support. Exactly. That's why I did talk about this in my event, about um, embracing and understanding your condition as part of who you are. Mm. When I when I was really young, 
um, this is m just my opinion. I feel like some people may disagree, but when I was younger, lots of people said that um, your condition is like separate from you. It doesn't make you who you are. And for me, that has a chronic illness. I was really that really complicated things in my head mm. because I'm like, okay, so there's just this separate part of me that's gonna linger forever. So then that's why yeah. I decided to take control over that and embrace it mm -hmm. and be like what has this given me yes instead? yeah yeah i mean me talking to you today yes spread awareness yeah. i would not be able to do that if i never had my condition absolutely um and i wouldn't be able to appreciate the little mm. things that i do without my yeah. thing my mother always used to tell me when i was younger um my growth hormone injections i had them so i was around like three four years old i was very young and nowadays my mother always says to me that every time you get a compliment about oh how tall you are whatever no one knows that mm. it's because you've had those injections for all those years but now you can appreciate that something as small as that little compliment oh you've grown so much everyone else is probably like oh yeah thanks like you know it's the standard thing yeah you see an auntie yes. after so yeah. long you've grown <laughs> you've grown and everyone's like oh but something that's small mm. is such a big thing mm. for me you yeah know? yeah of course and that's the thing of appreciating the little thing yeah no I, I i get that completely and it's it's really it's really powerful hearing you speak about it because again i don't think when you said that like you know and it's interesting that people will say to you that they're doing it to make you feel confident that you know your disability doesn't define you it's not a part of you when actually when you just said that that complicated things more because it is a part of you and you know that an adult is almost trying to reassure you but actually and this is um i mean this constructively that's the right word is by saying that they are subliminally or subconsciously making you assimilate into the to the majority yeah which isn't needed you can be yourself and you know you can just be you um without needing to separate your disability from you i think the same applies to or the similar can apply to race it can apply to religion um i think what we do need to call out though which i think is a really important which is why i think there's a mixed message here what needs to be called out are people or um, actions which discriminate yeah because when you're told say you know i face discrimination and i don't know you know and, and, it, and it is harsh and when people say to you sticks and stones may break your bones you're like but name words will never hurt you and i'm like no but the words do hurt and what are you trying to say to me then that i just have to accept that this is the view of me and my protected characteristics like you if somebody was to make a comment about your in a negative way about your invisible disability you almost want to remind them that they're wrong yeah. not that your disability is wrong but they are wrong and I really want to emphasize that because that that's accountability I think like there shouldn't be such a thing as victim blaming or, or, or shaming in a way which I know in many in many circumstances is done this is me gaslighting myself but it's in many we know it's done unintentionally but equally it's like that eye-rolling moment to say it's not me it's them it's their actions it's those actions that we need to call out not me mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about that yeah I get what you mean I mean even with um how you talked about discrimination i feel like that is such a big oh I talk about that forever that's a big topic. <laughs> maybe another um, podcast yeah <laughs> not, maybe not exactly today yeah. but 
I think that is where the importance of spreading awareness comes mm. in then. Mm. And like really understanding and as we said before, internalizing what everyone has to say mm. and their individual circumstances. Mm. Mm. I mean it goes to say that the big part of invisible disabilities is that you look at someone and you don't know what they're going through. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know. Um, and I feel like lots of the times if someone wants to share their story or something, like people are like, oh, just for attention or it's just for that. And that's why I 100% agree with you. I've seen so many people, even online, I look on their comments and even though it can be very positive, sometimes that there's always that one person of like, you're just doing this for clout, you're just doing this <sighs> for awareness. Yeah. Like not for awareness at all. Um when I think we need to start to accept more people and how if they're struggling and they want to help others and like let them exactly <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with like it's we need to it's so weird isn't it how our minds work like critically and negatively but yes you're right I mean social media comments and online bullying and that's a whole other body of combat yeah. I do you're absolutely right it is something that very much feeds in to this conversation um Aaliyah, it's been so lovely to talk Thank to you. you and if you had to leave what would be one not to put you on the spot but like a message or something you would want to remind or people to remember about invisible disabilities um biggest thing is to educate so that people feel more safe and second of all if you suffer from one yourself um give yourself space and time depending on what phase in your life you are at mm. don't set a tone forever in where i will forever be happy with my condition or i will forever hate it allow yourself give yourself room to go up and down because that's only natural thank you so much aliha for your time and i know that you know i'm going to sound like a proper teacher now but you're going to go on to do some great things because this is something that you want to keep doing yeah. you're going to keep working on this uni post uni work um to keep raising awareness for young for young people because you've been in such a great and privileged position where you've had that support network. Obviously, it's not been an easy ride either, but equally, you spoke so lovely, lovingly about your family and your and your friendship and your friends, and you just want that for everyone. Yeah. Um. And yeah, happy to support it. Thank, Thank you. you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please do leave us a review and share it with your friends and family so they can also learn all about what school should be. Until next time, speak to you soon.